For three hundred years I've been trying to determine the function of our existence, the kindred's role in the world. I'm not content to attribute it to some act of supernatural biblical vengeance. We exist for a reason. And if it takes another three hundred, I'll figure it out. Any thoughts? Unlike his mentor and adopted sire Aristotle de Laurent, Cuthbert Beckett is a man who cares little for, as he would put it, superstitious nonsense. Renowned in the vampiric society as one of the foremost scholars of Nautist lore, Beckett has, much like Aristotle, traveled far and wide in search of the truth behind the origin of the vampiric curse. Beckett is, of course, not blind to or ignorant of the existence of truly ancient vampires, those who claim to have met the antediluvians themselves. Neither does he deny the existence of a first city, or indeed of Cain. Ultimately, the gangrel scholar simply wishes to divorce vampire history from myth, lies and vague portents. He argues that much of what is written in the Book of Nod are not actually truths or retelling of events, but rather allegories muddled through time. But I fear that we are starting in media rests. First, we should perhaps discuss his origins, and how he came to travel this path of the scholar. Beckett was born at some point in the late 17th century and was most likely embraced in his 30s, although he rarely admits to his mortal age. He is English and is thought to have been embraced in Oxford in 1704. Very little is known about his mortal life, but he has once been referred to as a privateer, hinting that perhaps he was a sailor or even the captain of a ship before his embrace. It is not known who Beckett's sire is, but not because he himself doesn't know, but rather because he desires little to do with them. We do know, however, that Beckett is not the only child of this gangrel, as another named Atieno, who seemingly has a much better relationship with their shared sire, has been identified. As a vampire, Beckett quickly realized he had no patience for the nightly political games of the local Camarilla, nor the Sabbat, and instead devoted himself to scholarly pursuits, becoming a student of Aristotle de Laurent, a mnemosyne, or so-called memory seeker. The mnemosyne are at times considered a cult, at others a bloodline of Malkavians, and they are said to allow their childhood to diablerize them when they feel that their time on earth is close to an end. Beckett has, at times, been called a mnemosyne himself, but as he often wasn't obvious about his clan, at least until he and his mentor parted ways in less than amicable circumstances, many thought Beckett to have been a Malkavian as well. Aristotle imparted on Beckett much of what he knew of Nod's lore, and employed the young and talented Gangrel in traveling the world and searching for more hidden artifacts. Two other kindred worked with him as well in this endeavor. Lucita de Aragon and Anatole de Malkavian. These three would through time develop a close relationship, even a friendship, and Beckett would eventually consider Anatole more of a father figure than the distant Aristotle. Beckett would not cause much fuss up until the Victorian age, but he is known to have quite early voiced his doubts about the veracity of the Book of Nod to both his companions Lucita and Anatole, as well as to François Villon, the Prince of Paris. The skeptic nature that would become his hallmark could seemingly be traced to the philosophers of the late 18th century, with whom Beckett allegedly pursued many topics. In the late 1800s, Beckett became hunted after killing two other vampires over a rare text he was pursuing in London. 
Thankfully, a satite by the name of Halimbe helped the gangrel after he realized that Beckett had in his possessions a depiction of a tapestry representing Kementiri, who at the time was hiding in England as Lady Ophelia Merit. Lady Ophelia was acting as the Keeper of Elysium and working her corruption over the kindred of London. Unbeknownst to Beckett, he would be subtly influenced by a cult of Setites worshipping Kementiri to seek her out and aid her, and during this time he found and rescued Emma Blake, a former Jacheski revenant, that is, a member of a Tremere ghoul bloodline, who was the mother of Regina Blake, Victoria Ashe's lover and subsequent child. Emma had been captured in order to be sacrificed to Kementiri, yet as Beckett saved her, the now Tremere and Gangrel would eventually become lovers. It is uncertain how deep this love went, but after she committed suicide, Beckett supposedly absconded with quite a few personal belongings of Emma's, many of which he would not return despite Victoria Ashe's urgings he do so, lest he face the rage of London's prince. A while later, Beckett came to meet a woman named Mary Elizabeth who had a striking resemblance to his dead lover. Beckett, however, was paranoid that his longtime enemy and scholarly rival Sasha Vikos had crafted her to toy with and wound him. It is not known what happened to her, but in a letter addressed to her, Beckett implies that she was so utterly destroyed that not even the necromantic powers of the Giovanni would allow him to communicate with her. If she was a vampire, this could indicate that she was diabolized, but we know too little to theorize her nature. Beckett would leave England to eventually end up in Vienna, where he took an interest in the studies of Dr. Sigmund Freud. Beckett sought to apply the same ideas of psychosexual development that Freud had created on vampires, arguing that similar developments in terms of feeding could be traced to the relationship between the sire and the child. While his theories never seemed to gain much ground in the vampire community, if he ever shared them to begin with, Beckett is known to have sent them to a conspiracy website presumably run by mortals under the username of Cuthbert29, which attracted the attention and ire of the Camarilla's inner council, although he skillfully avoided using terminology or information that would cause a breach of the masquerade warranting more extreme measures. Following his time in Vienna, Beckett would continue his travels, meeting and befriending other vampiric scholars. One of them would be Prospero, a mysterious figure who resides upon a private Cayman island where he holds a permanent Elysium for all those who he allows entry. Little is known about this Prospero other than that he saved Beckett's life during the First World War and that there are many theories as to his identity and clan. Some believe he may be Bruja, but a more prevailing theory is that the seemingly benign man is in fact a Bali elder who somehow has survived any attempts made to purge his kind. Regardless of his past, Prospero and Beckett are on relatively good terms, Prospero even saving Beckett's life once again in the modern era when he had been afflicted by a terrible infernal infection that threatened his very soul. Oculus, another ally of Beckett's, is also worth mentioning. A Nosferatu scholar of Nadis lore by his own merit, Oculus was initially a rival of the Gangrels, but they eventually realized that they could achieve more together, and since then they have aided each other in their research. The Nosferatu finding the recent advancements of technology a comfortable aspect in his research, leaving the fieldwork to Beckett. In 1945, as the Allied forces encroached upon Berlin, Beckett encountered a vampire hunter named Marie. She had tracked him to a meeting with another vampire named Baumgarten, who was in possession of a list of rare occult books. 
surprising the two of them, Marie staked Baumgarten and set fire to the list, which angered Beckett deeply. And in a moment of wounded pride, he embraced the woman as a punishment, turning her into what she hated the most. He then left her to fend for herself, perhaps assuming that Marie would either be killed by one of her former companions, or take her own life in disgust. As far as he was concerned, she had been dealt with. Yet Marie would prove hardier than he had assumed, and she would hound Beckett through the years after that, foiling his plans and constantly serving to keep him on edge. At one point she even staked her sire, having caught him with the help of the local sabbat, and destroyed a book that he had been seeking for a long time by pinning it to his chest with the very same stake she drove through his heart. Sometime during the 20th century, Beckett is known to have acquired a private jet for himself and, in turn, creating seemingly his first ghoul, Cesare Contaldo. Cesare, an out-of-work pilot suffering from alcoholism, was given a second chance by Beckett who recruited the man to transport him, but also to transcribe the hours upon hours of recordings that the gangrel had begun to make. With the creation of recording devices, Beckett would pick up the habit of recording any encounter with other vampires he could get away with, as well as whenever he would venture into areas he knew would carry great risk. This habit has turned out to have been extremely useful, even at times saving his life as small details caught on the magnetic and later electronic recordings have proven key to solving many of the difficult situations Beckett has found himself in. During his travels in North America, Beckett is supposed to have met both Menele and Helena, the two Methuselah who have been warring for centuries. While it is not known what his encounter with Menele may have led to, the Brua having since left to the Middle East, Beckett did have his recording device on when he encountered a seemingly harmless neonate named Portia. Portia, however, quickly overpowered the gangrel's will and slowly bit his fingers off one after another before she made him turn off the recording. Beckett's adventures in his pursuit of knowledge are far too many to describe in detail. He has at one point almost been turned into a blood brother, may have accidentally released the antediluvian of Lazombra, dug up the tomb of one of the second generations of vampires, and of course encountered the unnamed neonate who in 2004 wrecked havoc in Los Angeles. His abilities are likewise difficult to pin down, as no official information has ever been released in that regard. He seems to be a polyglot, able to understand many languages, both alive and dead, which he assumably picked up from his mentor Aristotle. He refers to himself as an anthropologist, and his studies certainly seem to hint at that, and he is known to have sold off artifacts of both kind and canine origin to fund his travels. Beckett is also quite capable in wielding the discipline of Protean, and his grasp of fortitude is such that he is rumored to have once run across an open area the size of a football field midday and have survived. He has some knowledge about thaumaturgy, presumably earned through his research, and potentially through his interactions with Ashling Sturbridge, the Tremere Regent of New York, another friend of his. Despite the many encounters with supernatural forces, Beckett remains a skeptic when it comes to easy and vague answers. He refuses to accept stories based on hearsay and legend, and he constantly seeks to understand what differentiates vampires from humans. Because of his studies, he has met most, if not all, of the influential kindred and canines of the world of darkness. And while his dry wit and smug air of superiority has, more often than not, landed him in a troublesome situation, his skills, luck, and the many boons he has amassed through the years serve to keep his head above water. 
I have walked the night wearing shades, spilled sweet blood in the height of passion, used my claws like daggers, and felt the love of a cold body turned warm. Our blood does not flow, but our vitae burns with a desire to experience. We are outsiders, outcasts, misanthropes, monsters, and creatures of the night. Yet we persist, and there is little we cannot accomplish. This video was brought to you by my patron, the Primogen Bambi Parsons. Thank you so much for your support, Bambi, and I hope that this was to your liking. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.